I'm Nikki. And I'm Kirtana. And you're listening to The Chat Room. A big part of the reason why I moved apartments is because every morning in my old apartment, the garbage truck would, like my window was facing the alleyway and Mm -hmm. a garbage truck would come every morning at 7.30 and wake me up. That's what what would happen at me at the Echo Park apartment. Okay, this is what I'm now realizing because the same shit is happening at my new place. You just can't avoid the garbage you, trucks. You cannot avoid the garbage trucks. It might be a different day when you move, but you can't avoid it. And it's not just the beep, beep. It's also the <laughs> Also, it's not just beep, beep, beep. There's like 12 beeps. Like there are beep, 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 beep. I'm like, what? Why? It's like it's like that guy from the police academy, Michael Winslow, just <laughs> they just had him do like 15 sounds and they're like, we like them all. Put them all in there. <laughs> Wait, that's like we couldn't choose. Probably what they did. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, this is a weird episode for me this week. Yeah. You know, it's not garbage. You know it's not hot garbage in the morning. You know it's, you know it's not clanging, <laughs> beeping garbage. Nardeep and Kirtana. <laughs> I think Nar- I think Nardeep will say this is the nicest thing you guys have ever said to me. That I'm not. That's probably it's, that's exactly what he's gonna say. <laughs> yeah, this episode was weird. You get like two business with base. Why are you so knowledgeable? <laughs> All credit goes to Nardeep for this one for sure. Nardeep Kormi is a writer, director, and actor hailing from the suburbs of Philly by way of Switzerland and England. By the way, did you know that about him? No, I didn't. You literally just said Switzerland. I'm like, what? Now his whole personality makes so much sense. (laughs) He studied at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, FAMU International in Prague, Czech Republic, and Upright Citizens Brigade, aka UCB. His short films, including Fug and Monogamish, have been selected at more than 50 film festivals around the world. Fug is available to watch on the Amuleto channel on YouTube. Nardeep is also an accomplished actor. His recent credits include 911, SWAT, The Odd Couple, and recurring roles on shows like Jane the Virgin. He's currently recurring on legendary entertainment and nerdist show Orbital Redux and voices more than 10 characters on multiple episodes of Disney's animated show, Mira Royal Detective, a.k.a. my niece's favorite show. Oh my god, I also didn't know that. Ten characters? He does so. He does a lot of people, but he also does a lot of animals. There are characters like Deputy Usha and Raj the Chicken, Deputy Usha being a police cow. All of those animal sounds, that's Nardeep. I love that Nardeep is good at animal sounds. <laughs> He is currently in pre-production to direct and star in the feature film Land of Gold, which he also wrote. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I've I've never heard of it, so (laughs) maybe I'll learn a thing or two this episode. (laughs) The film follows Karen, a first-generation Punjabi trucker and anxious father-to-be who stumbles across Elena, a 10-year-old undocumented Mexican-American, during a cross-country road trip. As Kieran helps Elena find her way home, the unlikely pair connect over a shared history and evolving expectations of what family truly is. That's such a good log line. Oh, thanks, man. This makes me feel like warm inside. Right. For those who don't realize, Land of Gold is the same film that Nikki so graciously shouted out a couple episodes back. Nardeep is the filmmaker whose film 
my sister and I are producing, and we recently won the AT&T Tribeca Untold Stories program. This might be one of the most helpful episodes we've had, especially since y'all did all of this during COVID as well. The pointers, the the tips, the just the dynamics you want to set up before you even look to apply to these festivals. I mean, he really gets into everything. And the the best part about Nardeep is he's so eloquent in the way he speaks and, and you as well. So this episode was just like, even for, for me, like I, I thought it was super um, informative. First of all, it's very sweet of you to say. First of all, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I think in all seriousness, I do, I do think it's really helpful to to break down not just the intricacies of what it takes to apply to labs and competitions and programs and mentorship things and whatnot, but also the fact that there is a lot of not just rejection, but there's a lot of waiting. There's just a lot of like patiently applying to things, sending them off, and then doing the process all over again and mm-hmm. not to lose heart. Should we just, oh, great. There's a dog barking too. <laughs> I feel like I should turn into one of those DJs that like grabs the sounds of everything you hear outside and be, then be so like make a muse, make music out of it. Like that new girl episode. <laughs> I remember that episode. One of the sounds <laughs> he pulls is Nick eating a sandwich and it's like, Arr. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kay, you did that sound so well. <laughs> Ready. Nardeep's never ready. I'm just kidding. That's true. I'm never ready. Whoa. Hey. Hey. Should I get my rap horn out? Yes. I only like vuvuzelas. I'm sorry. What are you even saying right now? It sounded like you had a stroke. Are you okay? Vuvuzelas. Vuvuzelas. There it is. She's been waiting all season to pull that out. This is a good part. This is a good episode to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very on brand for me to use that with Nardeep on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny is that I was just thinking about my 30th birthday and how I had um, introduced Nardeep to people as my good friend, and then Nikki got really salty about it. Yeah, because she didn't. She didn't introduce any of us as really anything. We didn't get any sort of title. It was just like, oh, this is Nikki. But when you came, it was this is my good friend Nardeep, and I don't know. I felt betrayed personally, but <laughs> you're so far above good. So now you're just insulting yeah. Nardeep. Yeah. Well. But he's used to it. And also, we weren't good friends at that time. I think it was like Wait, really? way of like, yeah, I invited myself to her birthday. Yeah, he did. Shut up. Actually, that's super on brand, but I love that that's on brand for you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. We're going to be friends now. So that's how that goes. So when when in the process of your friendship did you realize you would be good partners and working together? Uh, has that happened yet? I have no idea. <laughs> Come find us in a year. Right. <laughs> we'll All right. Out. So we're starting off really strong. <laughs> yes. Good relationship between you both. (laughs) Well, Nardeep, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your tips and tricks and secrets. And Kirtana, honestly, this is like me versus you both in this (laughs) episode. It's going to be a very weird one today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I'm solo hosting today. Um, (laughs) Odd. I don't know if I like that yet. 
but let's just jump in because it's very, very exciting that Land of Gold won the 2021 AT&T Tribeca Untold Stories program. How do you feel? I feel, ah, uh, that's like the way I feel. Ah, uh, um, <laughs> it's a- If there was an emoji that you could use to describe how you felt when you found out, what would you use? It's the smiley face with the sweat coming out. That's how oh, I felt, yeah. right? It's like, it, it, okay. <laughs> I, I I recognize not many people have been in this position getting the green light. Yeah, it's like four others. Yeah, it's like four others, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, I mean, you can see the reaction live, right? Like, Kirtana is super excited, right? Paul will be super excited. And I am just abjectly, like, overwhelmed. And, and I think that's what this feeling is like. It's it's a mixture of excitement, of validation, but it's all overwhelming because it's not only do you get the shot, but now it's also like, well, great, now go do it. And that's the process right. that don't we're fuck, in. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, don't fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, having that, and I know I, it's not a, it's a pressure I'm self-imposing, but I do have that, right? Because I've been working at this for 15 years. Yeah, it's just an overwhelming feeling. It feels great. And some nights it doesn't feel great. Um, But I imagine that's a feeling that's going to kind of carry through my career every time I make something. Yeah. And I mean, the validation is a huge one because Land of Gold, it's very clear that there are parts of you that are in the film. And I'm sure you had to be very vulnerable to write it. Yeah, I've been writing. uh, Yeah, I went to college uh, studying film and been writing stuff since then. And they always say, write what you know. And I've always kind of taken that to heart. I'm like, okay, I got to write what I know. I want to talk about my community and my experience, my friend's experience. But this is the first, I think, script, and I've written a number of them, that things kind of clicked and they all kind of Mm. fell in place in this really beautiful way. Not only just the script, but the team coming together so organically. I feel like previous scripts sometimes have been forcing things or really trying to make them work in ways that they just weren't working. And this project, Land of Gold, it just sort of worked. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that. Maybe it was just the story was very clear for me. The characters were very clear for me. And not that it didn't have its immense workshopping phase. And, you know, Kirtana can attest to this, like the first draft versus the draft we're going to film are very different. But the, mm-hmm. the, the nugget is still there. That sort of like the essence of what was inspiring to me and what I wanted to tell is still there. It's just clear and maybe more economical. Definitely more economical. (laughs) (laughs) All right, producer K. I just mean because we have to be a little bit as well. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. And where did the story come from? It's kind of came from a bunch of different places. So uh, how the two of us met, actually, I had a short film called Bug that did the festival circuit and um, we met at Safa and also I just like to point out I was there. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, important, it's important to know as Nardeep is telling the story of how he and I met. It's also the story of how he and Nikki met as well, because yeah. Nikki and I attended this festival together and we were both in the audience watching Pug together and turned to each other and said, Oh, yeah, this guy's good. Who is this guy? Yeah, what the? Where has he been? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, and and look, uh, you know, to put you two on a pedestal here, I don't think uh, uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay, we're gonna do the sensitivity check in the in, uh, in the episode, but that meant so much to me because you make these things in a vacuum, you try and get it out there, you hope it gets a response, and for the two of you to come up and just wanting to meet me to talk about the film because you liked it so much that it affected you 
that meant the world to me. And I can really, that was like, it honestly is one of my, like I've been, again, I'm old, right? I've been doing this for 15 years. Um, but that is one of my favorite festival experiences was the two of you coming up after that screening and just saying how much you love the movie and how you just wanted to get to know me as an artist, which is a very rare thing. I give props to Nikki too on that because she was very much the one who was like, well, why don't we just go talk to him right now? You know? Yeah. So when Land of Gold wins an Oscar, if I'm not thanked <laughs> in that speech, you can consider yourself dead to me. Got it. If we win an Oscar, an Oscar, yeah. then we'll thank Nikki. Any other thing, we don't have to. Did I, did I stutter? Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now that the Golden Globes are dead, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways, going back to the question, well, where did the story come Right, right. Well, just, as a, to, just to, to add to that. So anyone listening, if there's a piece of work that you see in a public forum that you love or in a private forum, reach out to the artist and tell them if you feel really moved mm -hmm. because it means a lot to the artist, but also you don't know, it could start a relationship like that formed here. But yeah, so uh, that film was my response to Trump America and it had a great, great um, reaction. And everyone was asking what's next, what's next, what's next. And they expected me to expand that short into a feature, but I felt like I'd already told that story. And mm -hmm. around the same time, we had all these images of these kids trapped in cages, separated from their families at the, at the border. And yeah. uh, just this unbelievably cruel enacting of a policy that already existed, but like kind of laying the hammer down on these people for just trying to make a better life for themselves with the system that they're provided, which is a non-system. And, and how do you reconcile with supporting, you know, a country that's basically making kids have trauma the rest of their lives, abandonment issues, like we're giving these children this intense trauma. So that coupled with conversations I was having with friends who were having kids and, you know, the fear that surrounds being a, a young mother and father and specifically fathers who don't necessarily think that they're being our fathers. They like you, you become a right. father at different stages because it's different because the kid's not growing in you. And then unpacking my own <laughs> traumas of like, what is my first generation experience? I mean, I'm an immigrant, but I have more of a first generation experience. How is that coupled in with my own fears of when I do become a father? Because I am thinking about family and wanting to have that in my life. And that's kind of, all that stuff kind of like rushed into my head. And I was like, I got to do something with this. This is what the story wants to be. And that was kind of the germination for Land of Gold. Well, you know, it's it's funny because obviously the way that you and I started working together was that we had had a dinner and we were talking about what we both just really wanted to do. And, and that was when you had mentioned this story, you know, and at, and at that point I had said, you know, let me know when you have something flushed out. I want to really start producing, especially with my sister. Shout out to our consulting producer on this show, Pallavi, and my producing partner on mm -hmm. the film. Woo! She's actually right behind me. She's just not speaking at the moment. What a um, creep. What a <laughs> creep. Such a creep. <laughs> <laughs> but you had essentially written what we call in the industry the vomit draft, <laughs> yes. which is putting all of your thoughts in a first draft of the script and the story on paper. You basically wrote the end, hit the period, and then sent it to us. That is exactly yeah. I so so I I pitched the story to Kirtana and she's like, great, let let's read it. And I was like, oh shit, what's my deadline? And she gave me a deadline, 
And I'm one of those people that procrastinates until the deadline is like three days away. And I'm like, fuck, I got to do this. So uh, <laughs> Kate, my girlfriend, she and I went to Bohemia Tea Parlor on Sunset. And I was like, I got to write this. And this is what I do with Vomitress. I just write 20 pages a day, 30 pages a day. One day I wrote 50 pages. And I was like, I got to oh go. Oh my God. And I wrote the whole thing in like a week, essentially. And I had no idea what I had written. I had no idea. I just was like, um, there's a truck driver and there's a girl and things happen. <laughs> I mean, I think people underestimate the value of the vomit draft. I think Sujata said this in our episode with her too. She was like, you cannot be precious about what you're writing. Like you, ha- all, you At the end of the day, you got to let someone read it because it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why having someone read it is so important because they're distant from the project like you've already been in the world for so long you're not going to see everything that's missing or everything you need yeah you know it's i i would say like you know the vomit draft and then drafting after that right it's having that outside perspective is key because some it's like it's good for you as a writer to know are your intentions being received or are they being received differently but then also mm-hmm. giving it to people allows me to hear what they think is happening with the protagonist and clear up the story for me but all that came from the vomit draft because if you don't do that your instincts aren't in there you know there there's nothing to rewrite there's no nothing to mine and the point is that you know we read the vomit draft and knew there was something special here and so that's when we signed on yeah yeah i think all of us kind of working together is what made the development process really fun yeah. and we and, and it all happened during the pandemic so while we were all sitting yeah. around twiddling our thumbs we actually were able to get some work done you know yeah. Yeah. so that yeah. was definitely the nice thing you know one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was because we wanted to really get into the application process with you when it comes to grants and competitions and uh, programs like AT&T Tribeca Untold Stories so can you kind of explain what your thought process was in terms of what applications you wanted to apply to just deciding? Basically, like I kind of had like a tier system of how I would apply. Um, first off was any sort of diversity and equity inclusive program I wanted to apply. I mean, being a South Asian, you'd be kind of like, you should do yourself the service and apply to all those things and, and hope they yeah. work out, right? So those were, yeah. those were kind of the default ones I was going to apply to. And then kind of like the film festival circuit, when you're applying with a film or something, you have to read, or college, you have your reach things. So, you know, my reach things were Sundance Lab, the Nichols Fellowship, like you said, Um, you know, these programs that can kind of change your career overnight, like by getting into one of those programs, it gives you access to a community that you may not have otherwise, but it also, it's, it's that resume booster. It's that thing that people take Mm -hmm. notice. It's like, you know. I can go to Nikki and say, hey, I'm a Sundance Lab alum. And then suddenly there's- I know exactly what that means. Yeah, yeah. And there's 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 a thing where it's like, oh, someone else has vetted you. So I can take the meeting now because I know that you're not, you know, you've been vetted. So those kinds of higher level competitions, uh, uh, slam dance, like the, you know, uh, Austin, Film, uh, Austin Film Festival screenplay competition. Uh, there's a lot of amazing screenplay competitions in that sense. Zo- America Zoetrope, that's Francis Ford Coppola's one. So I kind of had those tiered up and then I had, I basically went on this website called Coverfly, which uh, is kind of like a, kind of like film freeway for screenplay submissions. 
and mm -hmm. I've never done this before, but I was like, you know what? I actually think this script has a lot of substance and I've got producers on board now, which had never really happened, who want to make it. I was like, okay, let's start submitting this to other things. And I started to see like, oh, you know, the Nantucket Film Festival has a screenwriting program and a, and a thing that they do. Why don't we submit there? And then Page uh, Screenplay Competition is all about these kinds of stories that uh, shed light on underrepresented communities. Oh, that's what my story's about. Let's target that. So it was kind of like a combination of default diversity initiatives, the reach stuff, and then kind of looking at what these competitions are really looking for and right. seeing where my project fit in that sphere. I love the college metaphor because you don't apply to every college. You apply to the colleges that make sense for you yeah. and where you're going to shine and be the exactly. most successful. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's expensive. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. like it, there's a privilege to, like, I'm privileged. I'm like, I, I, you know, I've, I've had a good couple of years with work. So I've had a little bit of money that I can submit to these things. And even without the movie, I would have been submitting to them regardless, but I understand it's a privilege to be able to do that because some of these submissions can range between like $75 and 150, which may be like, Oh, it's only one submission. But if you're doing 10 of them, you know, mm -hmm. that's a significant chunk of money. So being really specific about targeting it and then understanding that it's still like you're competing against thousands of people for this stuff. Um, it's just that kind of recognition. And then also um, to add to that, some of these competitions specifically will give you feedback. Uh, a lot of the diversity initiatives will give you feedback. Like um, I think it's yeah. We Screenplay Diversity and, and, and We Screenplay in general. That was awesome because as I was revising the script actively, like you can update the script if you advance. There, so a lot of these competitions will allow you to submit your updated draft. And they'll also give you feedback. You can pay for extra feedback. Some give it in like just along with the regular submission. But hearing what completely impartial people you have no idea they don't know anything about you. You don't know anything about them and what they think about the script is really beneficial because it really lets you see what's working and what's not working for an impartial right. viewer, which was super helpful. And, and, you know, Kirtan and I have had conversations about like, Hey, like walking me away from the ledge of the bridge. Uh, when, <laughs> when like, you know, a competition I thought would go my way did not. And they like, did not like right. the script. And then the one that I was like, yeah, this was just sort of like, you know, I, this was a reach one. And they're like, Oh, we really love this thing you know, then weighing the pros and cons of the different feedbacks and what do you want to change and how do you honor your voice and all that. Can you actually talk about the details of the actual application process? Mm -hmm. What are a lot of these uh, applications looking for? As you said, you said essays. Obviously, mm -hmm. you have to give them the script. Yeah. So a lot of the major, so I, I guess I can speak more about uh, the labs. I think that's really mm -hmm. where this kind of plays in because the other screenplay competitions, that's just, that's all about the writing. Just send your screenplay and like pray that right. someone responds to it and then they keep responding to it. But the labs, I can speak a little bit more to that. So basically, you know, I feel like it, from my experience, everything has been kind of modeled after Sundance lab and how they do their process. So okay. basically these labs have multiple stages of applications. The first stage is you submit your information and you're usually only submitting a writing sample. And that's usually just like the first five pages, first 10 pages of your screenplay. They're basically just looking to see do they have a voice? Do they know how to write a screenplay? The yeah. things that are more important in those applications are the essays that you're writing, which are very right. targeted. And again, a lot of them are diversity initiatives. So they're asking about your experience. Why do you want to tell stories? What makes your voice different than someone else's and makes your voice unique? And yeah. again, it's like a college application. You can write a generic thing, which I have been guilty of <laughs> over a, for a long time. <laughs> 
And actually, to whom it may concern. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and actually, it's Vidya Iyer, who's a, a South Asian writer. Yeah. You know, she actually helped me out, kind of like giving me some clue-ins uh, of like how to kind of write these essays. And it's really like if you're a funny person and your script is a comedy, your essays should have some. They should make me laugh. They should show your right. personality. I'm not a comedy writer. I'm a dramatic writer. I'm more a sensitive kind of thoughtful writer. So my essay needs to reflect that. These essays, it's not just about, you know, the redundancy of like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, okay, like my story. I was born in Switzerland. I grew up in Philly. I'm an immigrant, grew up in white America, culture clash, all that stuff. But here's the thing. There's nothing unusual about that. So then it's like finding how, okay, but that is the story. And that is the story that that is your narrative. So what is the example? What is the thing that really encapsulates your voice within that? And is it just like, could it, it could be something small and insignificant to someone else, but to you, it was the big thing. Like the first time you shared Skittles with your friend in kindergarten or something, and that like opened up your, your whole thing, your worldview. It's really like finding what is that small, beautiful story that's representative of you and your for lack of better a term, voice that can be told comedically or sensitively and take you on a journey. Like right. using these essays as short stories, more so than answering a prompt. Mm. And then like, you know, it's a politician thing. Don't answer the question. Answer the question you want to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you bring up a good point too, because that that is that tends to be the struggle too with a lot of um, people of color who want to share their stories is that we worry about getting stuck in the identity narrative. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you're saying. You have to find something specific in that that ends up telling that story in a relatable way, but that is but that is specific to you because yeah. specificity yeah. actually does, you know, end up translating to relatability and yeah. universality. The fact that you're able to kind of translate that or that you have to kind of translate that at the application process is also really important, I think, for people to know. It's very easy to come at this stuff from a very intellectual perspective. Because mm-hmm, we're yeah. all smart people, we are, and I and I get trapped in that intele- over intellectualizing things. But re- the reality is, they want anecdotal stuff. They want to get to know you, but they're also trying to get to know your writing style. And yes, it's a screenplay competition, but these essays, these short stories, it's it's also about your prose and your storytelling acumen. Shout out to Vidya Iyer, who's been on our show before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a gem. Yeah. That's a really important point that you make, though, is because anybody and I say this to a lot of people like newer writers who get really bogged down by the mechanics Mm -hmm. of like how a screenplay works and how Mm -hmm. should it look and how should it be formatted. And I'm like, I can teach anybody how to write a screenplay. I can also sit down and write a screenplay. What you cannot teach is voice and perspective. Yeah. And that is what these labs are looking at. And so taking the time to focus on that. I think is so much more important than, you know, getting bogged down by, is this the right number of pages? Like, yeah. did I structure this properly? Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the truth is like, look, Final Draft, Celtics, they do the how for you. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you just yeah. enter and tab and it does it for you. The why is the question that is all on you. And, and, and that's what these applications, I mean, that's just what screenwriting is or just writing in general, right? Well, and it's why it's why, and it's also for a, for a lot of applications and a lot of programs. And speaking of AT and T in particular, mm-hmm. it's why, but it's also why now. Right. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's and a the, great point. And the AT and T application was a little different because it was all of those questions, all those essay questions. They wanted the full screenplay. They also wanted a budget, and because their program was structured, 
not as a lab. It's structured as a production grant. It was a situation in which if we're going to give you this million dollars, can you shoot this thing as soon as we give you the money? And that's why it's so, I just think that it's so beautiful that you all met at this film festival because at the end of the day, like you found the right producing partners to help you fill out that space because you're the filmmaker, you have like the the script and the story and all that stuff, but it is so helpful to have that outside perspective and the people who like Kirtan and follow you, like this is what they do is yeah. make that stuff and they know how to execute on that stuff and finding those partners are really, really important. And not thinking, especially as a South Asian person, that you have to apply to these things alone. You know, I, so I've been applying to these things for a long time. And I've never had a producing team that was on board. And there's no coincidence here that I have a producing team that's badass. And suddenly, like, all this stuff starts happening. I mean, mm-hmm. I had Kirtan and Pallavi there to look over my applications, which I've never really had before. They were right. able to help distill my thoughts. And then every application... I mean, you can kind of see it. We have a folder of all of them. You can kind of see how everything gets stronger and stronger and stronger. The way we were talking about the story got stronger and cleaner and more economical. And just like working together and having that give and take and back and forth was instrumental in getting to these things. It's kind of crazy to think, but like applying to these programs was my pandemic job. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, one thing I'll add, actually, one thing these applications ask for is a work sample. And, 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 and don't be like me before. Make sure the work sample speaks to the project you're applying to and the voice in the essays. Don't submit a comedy if you're writing and submitting something for a drama. You know, like right. make sure that there's some kismet there because otherwise they're like, well, who the fuck is this person? They're all over the place, um, <laughs> uh, which has been me. But to go back to what we were talking about, to know you're not alone on this and for me to know that I could send an essay out to Kirtana, who's an incredible writer, and just be like, hey, can you look at this? And then she, within, you know, within like a couple hours, sends me back edits and notes. And then we're like, oh, great. This is so much stronger to keep doing that. I'm so privileged to have that. And and that's something I would recommend everybody who's applying to app- these applications is don't do it the night of, you know, get, make sure you know when that deadline is and then schedule backwards so that you can give yourself a week to get it out to someone to give you those notes and that feedback because, you know, again, just like any writing, they may see something that you're not and, and yeah. it'll make it infinitely better. Be right back. I'm going to go sob right now. <laughs> you are your freaking editor. The nicest, nicest thing that he has said to me or will say to me in the next year, because we're going to have to make this movie together and we're all going to be very stressed and it's going to be great. <laughs> Come on. No, we don't work, we don't work that way. I'm definitely going to actively avoid both of you when you're in production. <laughs> <laughs> I think the important thing I do want to make sure that we highlight is that the application process for labs, competition grants, et cetera, it's very high and low. Yes, we're talking to Nardeep right now who has had this great success and, you know, because of it, we get to make this really lovely movie that that we're all very excited to get to make, but there was a lot that led up to this moment and a, a lot of down days that led to this moment. And I Wait, don't mean to, are you telling me that it wasn't all fun and games? It wasn't all fun and games. What a shock. No, and I don't, I don't mean to bring the episode down obviously, but I do think that it's important to make sure that when you're going through this process, you are managing expectations and you're being realistic about it, but also keeping yep. optimism. You yep. know, I, 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 I would love, Nardeep, if you could talk about 
not just the highs, but also the lows, especially because just applying for the programs in general is such a like emotionally stressful thing because it's putting your voice and your work out there to someone you don't know, as you stated before, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. alone is a really psychologically unnerving experience. And then on top of that, not, you know, not necessarily getting positive response back from it or not necessarily getting any response from it sometimes Mm -hmm. is a really stressful position to be in. It does, it really messes with your emotions. And and so can you, can you elaborate on kind of what those days were like and how you were able to stay moving forward and stay up about it and, and, and move to the next program and say, okay, this is my next shot. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I manage rejection. That's my job. (laughs) That is my job. And like, (laughs) when I get to do the thing I love to do, that's like a rare thing. I mean, that's true, Narthi, because you're also an actor. Oh yeah. And that's all rejection. Oh my God. (laughs) You picked a great combination of uh, artistic endeavor. How can I be as vulnerable as possible and get hurt as much as possible? Yeah, I mean, maybe being an actor helps in this process because you deal with rejection on on a daily basis. But yeah, um, true. You know, so so yes, rejection. So look, I am. We are a perfect example of you only need one yes, and we yeah. got our yes, and we're making our first film. And this is the moment where we're gonna edit in that Lady Gaga <laughs> clip from A Star Is Born. You can have a hundred people in the room that are watching you, and ninety nine don't believe in you, and one does. Yeah, and then. <laughs> And then you're just gonna cut to me in like my bathtub playing the guitar. Sadly, there it is. Um, <laughs> Tell me something good. <laughs> uh, so, so we we have our win, but there is years of rejection, and I'm talking about mm-hmm. in all facets of the career. And you know, acting is a thing; everyone knows that there's rejection there. But like, look, I've made films that no one's seen. They're on yeah. YouTube. No one's seen them. They got into one or two film festivals. They've been rejected mm. by everything. Everybody they- go on YouTube and search <laughs> Nardeep Kurmi. Oh, no, no. You'll see some weird shit. So yeah. maybe, maybe be careful. That, but. but shout um, out to, I will say shout out to Pug, which is the the short that Nikki and I both watched that made us want to come and talk to you. It is on YouTube on, on, on Omeletto's channel. Yes, Omeletto. Um, Omeletto. Omeletto. Yeah. Like omelet, but oh. Right. Yeah. So, so rejection is, is par for the course. Right. And I know it's really hard because like you said, Kirtana, the, you have to be incredibly vulnerable in these applications. And that takes a lot of energy, especially when these essays are about your life. And, mm-hmm. and then you feel like you're being judged. You're like, oh, my life isn't interesting enough for you or mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, but you have no idea how they're planning their programs. Like, you know, they would never admit it, but they have, they have like, they have a whole system of how they pick people. Like they need one yeah. of these, one of these, one of those. And I mean, the politician a- reference that you mentioned earlier actually fully goes into the actual selection process too. Yeah. I mean, there is some politics that play, that goes into play mm-hmm. uh, when, when you want to select projects for different programs, yeah. there is a bit of a quota system sometimes. And I think, one of the things I do want to make sure that you also talk about yep. within this this answer is the fact that you also applied to diversity programs and didn't get in. <laughs> oh yeah, there yeah. That's, Are, you, uh, are you not diverse enough? Apparently not. Apparently, like <laughs> they're like, nah, this dude's just white. He just got a yeah. great tan. <laughs> 
you get rejected regardless. Like, again, I'll go to Sundance. Been rejected by them, you know, categorically. I mean, I've been advanced, but, like, even this script, we won the million dollars with Land of Gold. I submitted that draft last year to Sam Dunn's lab, like, last year, and we didn't even advance past the initial application with it. So, like, and, and you, you just never know, right? You're just kind mm-hmm. of throwing darts at the wall. But I think, for me, the rejections that hurt the most were those diversity initiatives. Yeah. Um, was... I'm like, because then you really judge. I'm like, Hey, I thought this was made for me. You know, I, you keep thinking like, Oh, great. I'm going to get into a diversity initiative and that's going to give me like that kind of the door's going to open and I'm going to be off to the races, Mm -hmm. but you're also competing against hundreds of thousands of other people who have such a similar story to you, who are dealing with some things that are worse than you, some things maybe in better positions than you, maybe have family in the industry. Like there's so many things there that it's great that these diversity initiatives exist and I love them, but it's also not something that you can count on nor guarantee for yourself just by being yeah. BIPOC or being a woman, because yeah. there's so many people vying for those spots because yeah. we have been categorically denied for so long. So that you can't was take it personally, you can't, you, you yeah, can't, you can't, you can't. And, and to be, I mean, the thing is like Bolivia and I as producers also applied to diversity programs. Mm-hmm. And even in those instances, like we we got rejected a couple of times and then we would find out the people who did make it, which we were so happy for them, but they're people who had already had projects on the air before. And that was a situation where that happens a lot too, where it is supposed to be this diversity initiative. It is supposed to be this, this lab that helps amplify our voice, which is a very noble thing and not, you know, saying anything against that, of course, because it's wonderful that these programs exist. But sometimes it's like they, even there, there's a bit of a risk aversity and you want to make sure that you have someone in the program that already kind of knows a little bit of what they're doing in their eyes. And that, and that can be tough to swallow too, but there's nothing personal there either. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so even, so AT&T Untold Stories, the five, the the four other finalists, all amazing filmmakers, amazing Mm -hmm. films, you know, I didn't expect for us to win. And I got intimidated because I looked at these filmmakers and they're so honored so much by a lot of these programs that I've been applying for, for years and been rejected by. And mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I'm glad that they've gotten that response, but yeah, like Kirtana said, there is the, the aspect of like, sometimes it's their moment and everyone is noticing them at the same time. So they get all of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. But that's the nature of the business. And I think, you you know, to kind of like get back to your question of like, how do you stay positive through it all is it's about the work, really. It's, you know, the thing that's helped me is all of this stuff is lucky. All of that stuff is luck. Right. If you if you get into one of these programs, if you, we got lucky with AT&T Untold Stories, you, you know, if you get lucky with them, great. Run with it. Fly. But the reality is you have to set yourself up for that luck. So while you're applying and being rejected, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep yeah. writing new material. You have to keep workshopping the stuff that you're working on. Keep making stuff because ultimately you're not going to be able to present yourself as a product to them as someone to invest in because that's what they're looking at. You know, They're looking at what career can we invest in and do we feel mm. uncomfortable investing? Who is ready for the shot? That's something that right. someone told me is like these diversity initiatives and other initiatives, but we're speaking about diversity initiatives is who is ready for us to give the leg up that can take this and run with it. 
And the only way you can do that is to keep making stuff and keep showing them that you are ready. It's been a solace for me because it just means I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. And then people like you will show up at a festival and, and talk to me and, and, and respond to it. And then, you know, that keeps happening until something clicks. Um, yeah. I want to yeah. go back to something you just said in that answer about sure. you know, keeping on writing and keep like looking at the material that you're submitting. Yeah. When you were getting responses, whether they were positive or negative, did you find that that would have you go back to the material and see what was working or what was not working? Or were there times that maybe Kirthna and Pallavi had to kind of reel you back and be like, you, just because you got rejected from this doesn't mean we have to like start from page one. Like, there, Oh, yeah. Both. Yeah. Both. So yeah. every time, yeah, both. So, uh, you know, every time I got feedback, I was like, oh, shit, this sucks. I got to go retool this. Or sometimes there was a really prescient note. And one of the reasons we work so well together, Kirtana, is I trust you and you trust me. And and same with Balavi. So I was like, hey, guys, you know, I just got this feedback. Can we discuss this? And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I've never worked in a, in a capacity like this as a filmmaker with producers who've been in the development of stuff. So I kind of wanted to take advantage of it and was like, hey, this person is saying, you know, this diversity initiative specifically because they're right. like, again, to, to just to give some clarity right here, there's a there was a screenplay competition that was for diversity and they rated the script very low. I submitted it like four times and every time they rated it very low, mm. which was which that was a gut punch because I'm like, this is supposed to be for you. And, right. and whereas other programs were saying it was like, oh, this is like a 99th percentile script. This is one of the best scripts I've read. And you have to take it all with a grain of salt because, you know, it's just one person's perspective. But yeah, I would take that feedback and be like, hey, am I missing something here? Like, am I being a dumb dumb? Am I being closed minded here? Like, what am I not seeing here? And they often would they were extremely generous and like, no, 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 no. It's working. We see what they're saying here. Maybe think about the note differently. And then I would go back into my corner and kind of, you know, rail at the world. And then something would click and I'd be like, oh, they said, think about it differently. Let me think about it differently. Yeah. And then I would have an actionable note because I think that's what it is, right? Like you get this feedback and a lot of times, most of the time, people don't know how to give feedback because yeah. feedback has to be actionable. And right. so, so part of the writer's job and part of these initiatives, when you get this feedback is translating it for you for an actionable thing. Yeah. And having been on the other side, like I've read for a lot of these competitions, when you're giving feedback and when they ask us to give back, give feedback, I'm not allowed to give like page notes or mm -hmm. specific scene notes. Yeah. They, they ask us, okay, write a paragraph, which yeah. is four to five sentences yeah. of the feedback that you can give back to this person. And as a development exec, it's very, very hard because I yeah. want to give you all the exact notes that'll help make this better. But unfortunately I have to give you really general broad feedback and it's a double-edged sword because sometimes it, you know, sends the writer into a spiral, but sometimes in Nardeep's case, you have that great solid producing team to guide yeah. you and be like, okay, they said this. Now what I hate this phrase, but it unfortunately is very real. What is the note behind the note yeah. and really mm -hmm. sit with it exactly. and think about what could they be trying to say yeah. when they're giving, it's like a weird decoding thing, but just to give a little more context, it's not because they don't care or they hate your script. It's just right. most of the time, that's what we're asked to do is just yeah. write a paragraph. It was also really helpful on our side is when you would get some of these notes and we would all kind of be confused about it <laughs> is to, to, cause that happened a few times where I'd be yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what that 
I don't know what that means, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and we, we are lucky that in our community that we have such wonderful people like a Nikki, like Sarah Rostogi, who works with Issa Rae, like mm-hmm. a Rishi Rajani, like, you know, a, a few of our friends of the pod, Vinny Chibber and Bash and all of these really wonderful people who, but Bhavani, for example, is a, is a great yeah. one who runs Sawi and Sai. Like these are people who are in all facets of the industry and you can go to them and say, I got this info and this is what our script is about. And I can't quite figure out what it means. And they'll be like, Oh, well, did you think about it this way? Or did you mm-hmm. think about it this yeah. way? Or that community that we have here that we're building is so beautiful in that way that 100%. we can go to these people and they were, they are always so willing to give their time and energy because they just, we all just want each other to succeed. Yeah. And that is, I think where we get on top of the moments where you were talking about how you stayed positive personally. I think that's such a beautiful way for all of us to stay positive as a community. Yeah. And that's any, you know, that's something new for me uh, yeah. in the last couple of years. Again, you know, Kirtan, I've talked to you about it a lot, like how you've been kind of, you've kind of opened my eyes up to the, to the, to, oh, we can be supportive to each other as a community. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's been the last three years where that's shifted for me and it's been great. Just by being in this industry, we all have to kind of compete with each other when it comes to applying for certain things or when it comes to trying to get one production company to make our crap, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. We all, we all are in an industry that is inherently kind of competitive. So within ourselves and within our community, we can't also be doing that. We can't do it anymore. You know, and I think having these programs like Sawi Sawi, the salon, and even, you know, I, a shout out to previous guests of ours, the product of culture. I mean, they yeah. have had, 100%. they have had seminars. They have had talkbacks, just as Zawi and Sawi have had talkbacks with people who explain what these processes are like, with people who have done this before and who have been successful, but have also shared their their rejection of it. I mean, yeah. you know, and and I think because of that, we've had we've had a lot of really lovely success, and we've had a lot of strength in the community. I mean, HBO APA visionaries like our, our mm-hmm. dear friend Nira Bukta won that, and from that you know, he was able to kind of give these Q and A's and give these talks through these different programs to say, this is how I did this, but this is all the shit that I had to deal with before I got to it. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why we were excited to like talk to you about this today. Not only because obviously I'm, I'm really pumped that we get to make this movie together, but that we are able to make this thing because of the highs and the lows of the process that we went through to get here. Yeah, there's, you know, it's it's the lows with this project, but it's also the culmination and the accumulation of lows from everything else. Yeah. Um and and that's that's the thing. It's 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 a journey and you just got to keep at it. Like mm-hmm. if you really want to tell stories, you just got to tell stories. Can we talk a little bit about what your experience was like as we were putting the pitch together? Mm. So, you know, with AT&T Untold Stories, we had found out about a what I would say a month and a half before they had announced anything that we were in the top 10, top 15, and then about 3 weeks later we found out we were top 5. Which and that is, was when yeah, And that was a funny experience because we applied and then we forgot about it. And then we yep. got a new <laughs> And then, because like you do, you have to, I mean, like, look, it's like an audition, you audition yeah. and then you have to fucking forget about it because if you keep belaboring it, you're going to go insane. So, yeah. you, you know, I spent a month on that damn application because we had to get all this shit together and it was a very good application. I will and say call yeah. and call a lot of favors in. <laughs> yeah. Well, just for the application. Yeah. My, yeah. Our, our, our UPM, Julie Bersani, she's one of my closest friends. She gave us a budget. She did a budget on the film. And a shooting schedule. And a shooting schedule. Which they didn't ask for. Which they didn't ask for as a solid. 
because because yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a homie and uh i am forever... build your community people build yeah yeah your community. yeah julie bersani black poppy productions okay she's great but um <laughs> so you know so she did that so we sent it and then we forget it because we're like okay great you know you know on to the next one on to the next one let's start financing let's start yeah. figuring out this stuff that's the stage we were at then i get an email from the head of the program bryce and she's like hey we want to talk to you you're <laughs> you know and we're like okay cool so we talk and then we're like, great. Okay. So then I'm on set in North Carolina with my cinematographer and I get an email and I read it and I'm like, holy shit, are we finalists? And then I have to go back on set. So I, un- I make it market unread. And, and I mean, while we're texting him saying, Hey, we made it. He's like, yeah, we made the top 10, top 15. Right. And yeah. I go, no, we I remember that day too because yeah. Kirtana called me because I wanted to post about it. And Kirtana was like, I'm not sure Nardeep knows what just happened. So maybe just like don't post anything yeah. yet because I want him to understand what happened. Yeah, because it was an email thread. And yeah. when I marked it on red, I marked the first one on red. So I was like, oh, yeah, I think we're just like, you know, we're, in, we're whatever. And then, <laughs> and because like my girlfriend, Kate, she was just like, I don't know you should be like excited because I sent her the wrong email and then uh and then like we were like holy shit but once we got that thing we knew we had one month to the pitch the live pitch uh which was pre-recorded but that was when it was going to be with a live Q&A so we knew we had one month so again talking about community it was off to the races at that point mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we the script I I did a quick revision as much as I could I'd already been revising it but I was like great lock that revision and leave it we asked Julie to revise our budget we updated our pitch deck. I and I and I had that short bug, and I was like, I don't know if this is really representative of this film in particular. Like, so I was like, I gotta shoot sizzle material. Kirtan Apollo and I put our heads together, and we were like, great, let's shoot these moments from the script and just get some really pretty footage. So I got my DP, my my buddy at Canon helped me out with some getting some great lenses for our for camera, and we like Chris and I like went around Los Angeles County and up to Barstow and shot footage of like you know, like, an, like a rest stop. And my cousin from Northern California, who's a truck driver came down and we shot in his truck. And, you know, yeah. Pallavi is in the film as Preeti playing my wife. So we shot some sequences with her in, in, in their house. And then I pulled some favors. I, this is, I think I was like, what was your experience? You know, I was like, we're filming it. And I'm like, holy shit, the second lead of this movie isn't even in the sizzle material. We have to represent her. So we scrambled literally the day before we filmed with this, this young woman uh, and to, to find her. And it turned out to be my, I, I tutor on the side from the pandemic. It turned out my tutoring boss knew someone who had a kid who had just gone through the acting program and was like, you know, cool, let's do it. So we drove out to the middle of nowhere and shot with her for two hours. And there was like police activity and it was serendipitous. Cause we're like, this is perfect for the sizzle. Like then we had to write the pitch. So I'm like writing the script, going back and forth with Kirtana and Balavi and Simon, our other producer who had just signed on like two weeks prior. Well, and, and that and that was part of my experience, right? Was yeah. as he as he's dealing with the creative parts of this, uh, we had to start acting as though because what they told us was you've made it in the top five, you have to now act as though you're in pre-production. Yeah. You have to act as though you've been you've been given the million dollars and that you're about to start shooting. That's how you need to act. So we had to start putting crew into place yeah. and we had had through, or again, a shout out to, to Bhavani Rao for, with Sawi. She had had a connection to our now uh, third producer, Simon Thaufik, who is incredible. And he was excited. He liked it. He signed on despite the fact that we had not won or anything. He was like, I want to do this anyway. We'll figure yeah. it out. It's kind of strange because we had to pre-produce the film 
before we had any money, before we had any financing, we had to get as yeah. much in place as possible, which was, which is why I think we're in such good shape now because mm -hmm. we did so much of this work in that month mm -hmm. that we're like, great. Okay. So we have a lot of this, the foundation built. Now we're just building the house on top of it. But yeah, we filmed our talking head segments and then, it was yeah. fantastic on camera. <laughs> yes. I, 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 I've said this a lot and I'm going to say it now. So all your listeners can hear it not in our pitch. If you watch it is by far the strongest on that thing. Here's this. Seriously. You have Kirtana, a skill. Should you just cast yourself? Like, yeah. let's, let's go. I'll play you the minor. I can no, play a 10 year old. You should, you, you, we should do like an Eddie Murphy, nutty professor. You should play everybody. I'm, I'm down for that. Oh my God. Yeah. Are the pitches available online to watch? Yeah, they're on YouTube. So the live yeah. stream is on YouTube. So you can watch all five pitches. They're all- and everybody fantastic. is fantastic. They were yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I highly recommend everybody watch it because I think everybody approached their pitch style a little bit differently. And mm -hmm. I loved that because they were all effective. I understood exactly if I was a judge, what I was paying for in watching every single pitch but you yeah. all did different things. And I love that. So I highly recommend everyone watch that because I think a lot of people lock into, oh, there's like one way to pitch and there's one way people want to be pitched to. And that's mm -hmm. a lie. Like if you can make it unique and your own. And I mean, Nardeep used, uh, like they hired a storyboard artist and uh, there was there was like storyboards in the pitch. I thought that was like genius. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, they're going to win because yeah. it was just the next level of directing. Like I knew exactly how you were going to see this. And yeah. that's also like shout out to to strengthening the community again. I mean, Nardeep is a play. I was going to say he's a voice, but actually you're multiple voices on the Disney show Mirror Royal Detective. And one of the storyboard artists on that show uh, CM Mystery, she did us a solid. She did yeah. us a solid by taking these like rough draft sketches of of what Nardeep wanted a scene to look like, a couple of scenes to look like, and she turned them into these beautiful, like beautiful pieces of art. And then again, like, you know, I uh, we had music in our pitch yeah. and shout out to my friend that I've known since high school, Ben Chai who did music for us for free again, like uh, while his wife was right about to give, like deliver their second child, like literally he, like yeah. two weeks before her, before yeah. the, the birth of his second child. Yeah. And he did, he did that for us because again, you build your community and you have these people that support you. That's it. And it was, and, 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 you know, I'd be remiss not to thank Sarah Rostogi as well, because I've mm -hmm. never pitched before. And I like, you know, uh, Nikki, you hear pitches all the time, I'm sure. But I'm like, oh, shit, now I have to pitch on the biggest stage possible. And Kirtana and Pallavi asked Sarah to hear our, our a pitch, a rough draft, which was instrumental because, you know, again, going back to the, the, the application process, I was over intellectualizing things. Mm -hmm. And and that's basically that was the note that I got from our conversation was like, yo, chill out. Be yeah. yourself. <laughs> Everyone likes you. They like you, and so just be you. Like bring you into the thing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, the that's what you gotta do. Funny. It was the yeah. only pitch that I actually laughed out loud. I mean, and that too because I know Kirsten on me, but like <laughs> there were moments where they were like riffing together, and I was yeah. like, yes, because that's honestly at the end of the day what a pitch is is like, do I want to work with these people? Are they fun yeah. to be around? Do I want to make a movie with them? Like you, it was just the perfect mesh of all of those emotions where I knew you were capable, I knew what the story was, and I just knew you were nice. And that's like really important. Honestly, yeah. don't uh, don't underestimate the power of being nice in this industry. Truly, yeah. 
Truly. Karen says it. But yeah, so I mean, obviously it's an incredible experience and, yeah. and, and the, the, the pre-production process has been stressful but good. And yeah. it's funny because the thing that people always say to us is like, oh, you're millionaires, you're millionaires, you're millionaires. And it's <laughs> right. like, we're, and by so people, they mean me. <laughs> 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 Anytime someone said anything to y'all, I was like, did you, do you know who they are? Like, they just want a million dollars. You know who you're talking to? At the end of the day, yes, a million dollars is incredible. And obviously all the things that come with this this program and this win are incredible. But what what it, what is hard for people to kind of grasp is two things. One is we don't ever get to see any of that money in our accounts, obviously. That all goes immediately into our budget to pay our crew and to pay to make the thing. Yeah. But then on top yeah. of that, a million dollars is a is a great number, but making a movie is expensive. And the the biggest part of that, which we all know right now, is COVID. You know, that yeah. that is yeah. a is a tough it's a tough pill to swallow because it adds so much more money to a budget because you have to not only consider COVID testing and having, you know, a COVID compliance officer and all of those things, but COVID affects every single portion of your budget. It affects yeah. how you house people. It affects how you fly people. It affects how it affects your craft services. Every single facet of your budget and of your production is affected by COVID because you have to keep everything as safe and hygienic as humanly possible. Yeah, we were hoping that COVID would be a thing of the past when we were shooting in September, and now it's a thing of the future. It is, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so for that reason, you know, we still kind of have to raise some more money because we have to make this thing as safe and clean and hygienic yeah. and prosperous and efficient for every single person who's going to step on set. So currently we have a, a fundraising campaign going on on Seed and Spark because we are we we really need to raise that money for COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know. uh, yeah, so yeah, you guys can go to Seed and Spark and uh, and check out our campaign there. You can see a bunch of perks that we're going to have for um, those of you who feel compelled to um, contribute to our to our film and 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 make this film as safely as possible. Because uh, as Kirsten yes. said, that's really what this is about. Like, we're not trying to risk people's lives. Uh, it, ultimately, we're still telling stories, and it's art. And mm -hmm. we want to do that safely, and no one should be risking their lives to do something like that. Especially so. because we will have a child on set. Yeah. And so we, more than most, we have to be extra careful, and that's why we're taking this very seriously. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. And contributing to campaigns like this, y'all, like, this is the easiest, bare minimum way to help tell yep. our stories and push our stories forward is to just contribute any little bit that you have. It's so meaningful. This is our most informative episode yet. I think it might be. Dead ass. Hey, if you want, after we do production, we could jump on here again and, and talk about like, what oh. did you learn? What did you not learn? And then post, I think like, we should a hundred percent do that. Film series, <laughs> film series. Part one. The chat room. So, 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 you know, it's a chat room, but like, I could be the Bonnie Pori. I hate you. Get out of here. Goodbye. Yeah, you're to done. You're done. You're Talk done to now. You in like 20 minutes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. The chat room is hosted by me, Nikki Menon, and me, Kirthana Sastri, in partnership with Brown Girl Magazine. Wallavi Sastri is our consulting producer. All podcast artwork is created by Ashwarya Sukesh, and opening music is by Sridhar Bamnipati. Special thanks to Thrisha Sukujawalia. Please subscribe to The Chat Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. 
Thanks for tuning in. Bye.